Hey everyone, it's Anastasia and welcome to Thoughts of an Environmentalist, where I talk about pressing environmental issues. Join me on today's episode where I discuss arguably the most important environmental issue today, which is environmental justice and intersectionality and the roles they play in improving our environment and society. So today I will be discussing the definitions of these points and discussing the importance of this through the thoughts and ideas of three famous writers that discuss environmental issues within their own communities and areas within the U.S. So to begin, environmental justice can be defined as the fair treatment and dispersal of environmental impacts that also includes all peoples, ensuring all voices, especially those previously silenced and ignored, are uplifted and intersectionality can be defined by Oxford languages as the interconnected nature of social categorizations such as race, class, and gender as they apply to a given individual or group regarded as creating overlapping and interdependent systems of discrimination or disadvantage. So to begin, I just want to go over each of the authors and what they've written and done in their communities as well as discuss how I think they would feel regarding the importance of environmental justice and intersectionality, as well as later on how environmental justice and intersectionality could and will improve the state of our environment and society. So to begin, Sandra Steingraber wrote the book titled Living Downstream, where she discusses pollution in her hometown and the surrounding area of Peoria and Tazewell County, Illinois. So pollution there is caused by the numerous plants, landfills, hazardous waste sites, and factories that line the Illinois Riverbank and the surrounding area. So these residents are facing not only water pollution, but air pollution as well that has led to cancer clusters and various respiratory illnesses. And through her extensive research, she finds the toxic release inventory reports that showcase just how severe and massive these toxins are within her area. And she also discusses briefly about the working class residents but she does not mention race or anything other than that. So the marginalization and lack of discussion of marginalized groups is not prominent in her work. And while it's not prominent, I do believe that she would care and would find environmental justice and intersectionality important as she is quite passionate about this. And she also does understand and explain how people are being unfairly impacted by these corporations and industries that are polluting their homes and their backyards without honestly any of them even knowing. So I believe that she would care and while she does not explicitly discuss these issues and you know amplify the voices of marginalized communities and the people of color within her town, I think she would most definitely support it. So moving to the next author, which is Catherine Coleman Flowers. She wrote the book titled Waste, One Woman's Fight Against America's Dirty Secret, where she actually went and firsthand saw 
the lack of proper sewer lines and sanitation systems within Louds County, Alabama, which is referred to by some as the world, the third world of Alabama. So because of this, she goes and discusses these issues with local residents, um, even a reverend, and tries to find out more about this issue as it is not one that is publicized or discussed in the news or anywhere for public access really. And what she finds is actually quite disturbing. She finds people that have sewage, raw sewage being pumped into their backyards and underneath their homes, people that don't have running water in their houses, and even found that hookworm was prominent within Louds County based on the research she and a team of data collectors and scientists had gone out into the town to collect samples from the residents to see if there was anything to be found. And lo and behold, they did find that hookworm was quite prominent, which is a disease only caused by a lack of adequate sanitation and is very rare within the U.S. as most places are thought to have proper sewer lines and sanitation systems. However, that is obviously not the case in Louds County. Additionally, she also found that people were being fined and jailed and threatened for jailing and fining if they were unable to afford to put in sewer and sanitation systems within their homes despite having little to no assistance or even knowledge of these various issues. So she really just showcases how this county and while the surrounding towns were punishing the poor for being poor while simultaneously not doing anything to help them or do anything in their power to help the people get to where they need to be in regards to proper sanitation, water access, and sewer lines. So overall, she really just showcases the disparities within this community. And it's also very important to note that this community, again, is 72% black and 26% white based from the 2020 census information. And so she just really shows how there's such a disproportionate impact on people of color, especially in this community. And I most certainly believe that she supports and believes in the importance of intersectionality and environmental justice, as this was her entire essay. Her whole book was written based on these issues and bringing light to horrific conditions that are here in the U.S. that are often overlooked by people because it's not affecting them and it may not be affecting their family. So it's just overlooked continuously and creating these awful cycles where they're often unable to escape it. Additionally, it's also important to note that she was just recently, as of 2021, appointed to the Environmental Justice Committee for President Biden and his cabinet just to showcase how strongly and how how much importance she puts on environmental justice and intersectionality which is amazing and I really believe that she is a major player in these roles and the future of bringing environmental justice and shedding a light on the importance of intersectionality on these issues and creating a future 
that will be better and will be more sustainable and just the way to go to ensure that we have a planet to survive in. So moving from Catherine Coleman Flowers, the final author that I will be discussing is Sheila Watts Cloutier, who wrote The Right to be Cold, which is a book that discusses the impacts of climate change on the indigenous peoples of Alaska and specifically the Nunavut people. And within her work, she goes on to talk with, interview, and study various people within this area, and she showcases how ice melt is causing a variety of issues, such as changes in growing season, increased coastal erosion, the prevention of hunting, travel, changes in food availability, even impacting the weight of animals, such as moose, there's a shift in animals as there are new migrations occurring of animals that they have never seen there before. There's a loss of permafrost, which prevents them from doing their normal traditions, and even a thinning of the ozone layer, which is causing increased UV rays leading to skin cancer and cataracts within the indigenous peoples within Alaska. And overall, she just showcases how climate change and increased temperatures, ice melt, sea level rise, and all the various impacts that go with climate change have been severely impacting the indigenous people of Alaska and not only affecting them with their health, but affecting their daily lives as well as preventing them from being able to partake and practice their traditions and the various cultural ideas and various practices that they need to do to survive and to live their way of life and another issue that she you know discusses is how they are not the ones that are causing these issues yet they're facing the brunt of it already people always talk about how climate change is coming you know we're we're gonna start feeling the effects but there are so many people who already do and are so overlooked because they're not in our eyes you know they we don't see them directly in front of us so why why do we care they're just overlooked and forgotten about and her work kind of brings that to light and showcases about a community that is suffering quite badly from these various impacts that they have no control over and that they didn't even do. So just to reiterate, I think she definitely would also be very supportive and believes that environmental justice and intersectionality are incredibly important and will lead the future to a an improved state of being overall and wellness for the entire planet and working to help with the society and the environment as working together to ensure that there is environmental justice will ensure that there's equity occurring among all people and especially uplifting and protecting marginalized people from these various impacts that they have been, will be, and currently are facing. So now that I've introduced you to each author and given a background as well as discussed where I personally believe that they view environmental justice and intersectionality, I believe that all three, while having very different perspectives, would agree that environmental justice and intersectionality are incredibly important as 
addressing, acknowledging, and using these terms to move forward in these various solutions needed is the only proper way to fully address and grasp these various issues related to climate change and environmental justice, as without all of these pieces, there will be communities and aspects that will be overlooked and missed, which will only further the suffering and the disadvantage that the communities will face. So overall, I believe that they would agree. However, they do have different positions due to location, um, maybe even the position in their communities, their experiences, and the various impacts that they have felt personally from these impacts, as well as how their identities impact and affect how they view environmental justice as Catherine Coleman Flowers and Sheila Watts Cloutier are both women of color fighting against environmental injustices within their community, while Sandra Steingraber is a white woman who is fighting for disproportionate impacts being inflicted onto her community, but she does not discuss the marginalization or marginalized people within her community. So there could be some differences, uh, as well as the differences in the location and just overall how they see the world and their experiences within it. But I believe also that these different opinions and stances could be beneficial so that there could be a more round picture and round discussion on how to address these issues while simultaneously being able to acknowledge that there is a major problem and that environmental justice is absolutely crucial as is intersectionality and honestly the two cannot be exclusive from each other and they're almost mutually inclusive because without intersectionality environmental justice and injustices don't often occur as the rich, white, and highly educated are often the ones not feeling these impacts and live the lives of privilege while communities of color, poor communities, and other marginalized groups do feel these impacts. So moving on from the importance of environmental justice and intersectionality, The next aspect that I just want to address is the importance that environmental justice and intersectionality will play in the future for both the environment and society. As as I previously stated earlier, environmental justice and intersectionality are again incredibly important to addressing these issues and if environmental justice is worked to be achieved and intersectionality is used as a lens to understand and look at these issues. There is real hope for future changes and meaningful solutions that look to incorporate all people and all aspects 
not just what the wealthy and powerful see or feel. So, and I I believe that all three authors would again agree on this based on the writings and previously stated just how they discuss the importance of protecting people, the citizens, and, you know, the people within their hometowns. Because having a full picture and being able to include marginalized people as well as uplifting these voices is the only way to have an equitable future that is full of hope and protection against climate change and working to mitigate these effects for all all of those within the world. And I just truly think that going by the environmental justice principle of ensuring that all people are bearing the burden of climate change and pollution and all of those issues equally is incredibly important and ensuring that no group is particularly damaged or allowed vulnerable to these impacts will allow us as a society to grow together and feel more connected because there isn't a disconnect of people going through incredible hardships in addition to the various impacts that they already feel based on our system and how they push people down and especially marginalized people. So overall, the importance of environmental justice and intersectionality being incorporated into into every single decision for policies and you know the different solutions that we need to address these pressing issues is one of if not the most important concept and aspect that needs to be incorporated whether people like it or not because we need to ensure that there is equity and we need to protect those who are most vulnerable which we're not doing at all at the moment thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of thoughts of an environmentalist